peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Sobering study of the signed treaties and charters between Britain and the United States exposes a shocking truth. The United States has always been, and still is, a British crown colony. King James I was famous not for just changing the Bible into the King James Version, but for signing the first charter of Virginia in 1606. That charter granted America's British forefathers a license to settle and colonize America. The charter also guaranteed that future kings and queens of England would have sovereign authority over all the citizens and colonized land in America stolen from the Indians. After America declared its independence from Great Britain, the Treaty of 1783 was signed. That treaty specifically identifies the King of England as the Prince of the United States and contradicts the belief that America won the War of Independence. Although King George III of England gave up most of his claims over his American colonies, he kept his right to continue receiving payment for his business venture of colonizing America. If America had really won the War of Independence, they would never have agreed to pay debts and reparations to the King of England. When Congress passed the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, the U.S. President was made subservient to the King of England. The 13th Amendment is called the Title of Nobility Amendment and forbids U.S. Presidents and their officials from using royal titles like King or Prince or Baron. For some mysterious reason, the 13th mm-hmm. Amendment, which was ratified in 1810, no longer appears on current copies of the Constitution. America's blood-soaked war of independence against the British bankrupted America and turned its citizens into permanent debt slaves of the king. In the War of 1812, the British torched and burned to the ground the White House and all U.S. government buildings and destroyed ratification records of the U.S. Constitution. One century later, a corrupt U.S. Congress committed the biggest theft in world history. They passed Paul Warburg's Federal Reserve Act in 1913, handing over America's gold and silver reserves and total control of America's economy to the Rothschild banksters. Most Americans still believe that the Fed or Federal Reserve is the government. It is not. The Fed is a privately owned banking system whose majority Class A shareholders are the Rothschilds, Warburgs, Kuhn and Loeb, J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller, Israel C. and the Lehman Brothers. This private banking cartel is the Fed and is never audited and never pays taxes. They print and design America's money, which displays their symbols of an Egyptian pyramid, a Masonic all-seeing eye, and the words, in God we trust. Who exactly is the God they trust? They also collect American taxpayers' money through the IRS. 
Then they loan it back again with interest to pay for roads, bridges, and other public works. American presidents are handpicked and financed by these special interest power groups. Like George W. Bush, John Forbes Carey, whose initials are JFK, is a member of Yale University's Skull and Bones Brotherhood. The Forbes part of John Kerry's name identifies his descendancy from Captain Robert Bennett Forbes, who was a drug runner for the Rothschild's opium drug trade with China in the 1800s. Most U.S. citizens believe that the United States is a country and that the president is the most powerful man on earth. The United States is not a country. It is a corporation, and the president is president of the Corporation of the United States. He and his elected officials work for the corporation, not for the American people. Since the United States is a corporation, who owns the Corporation of the United States? Like Canada and Australia, whose leaders are prime ministers of the Queen, and whose land is called Crown Land, the United States is just another Crown Colony. Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for listening to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, and I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. It is my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank you, listeners, new and old out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom to each and every single one of you. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you for joining me. Now, if you want to keep up to note to, like, the second, right? What I'm up to, what I'm producing, what I'm publishing, what I'm researching... Best way to do that is by following Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan gives you all of my links, including my webpage, my social media, my video channels that I am publishing towards and publishing on. Since you can watch all my dark web evidence that I'm sharing, the cutting edge, as you were, of disclosure that I'm publishing on my podcast via whatever service you guys prefer Telegram, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter all of it's there, counted for webpage, which is just a neutral browser option if you want to listen to the podcast, say it works or um, you don't want to have an app but if you have an app, say Spotify, Anchor, what have you um for the podcast services, I am on all of them. Apple, iTunes, Audible, uh, Amazon, Music, um, you know, Outcast, uh, Breaker, uh, you know, Pod Nation, all of that, basically. It's just dozens and dozens of uh, podcast directories that are currently uh, hosting it from iHeartRadio to... Um, you know, um, Google po- Podcast, basically. I don't even think they have a snazzy name. I think it's just called Google Podcast. So basically, um, check it out. 
you know, wherever you want, however you can. All the episodes are free for the time being and possibly into the foreseeable future. As I'm already strictly demonetized. Demonetized, they kicked me square in the nuts when it comes to that. Uh, via YouTube, demonetized. Uh, TikTok, uh, not letting me log in anymore. Oh, by the way, while my TikTok page is still accessible... Um, I am absolutely barred and uh, cannot access or operate it at all via any of my devices that I haven't downloaded, except for uh, devices that are not mine. So let's just see if that sink in, that I have to log in on my friends or my family's devices so that I can access my TikTok. Um, so basically, they're sh that that is extreme censorship where they have my devices... Uh, log down. So if I try to download the TikTok app or re-download it or refresh it or whatever, it refuses to allow me to operate and download or upload any of my content. Puts me in kind of a bind, but also the principle of the thing is fuck you too, TikTok. How about that? Fuck you too, you motherfuckers in the Communist Chinese Party. As a Stalinist, I absolutely endorse commie on commie violence and nationalism. <laughs> To an extreme and xenophobic degree. And speaking of which, you can catch my new political, political uh, side, which this is going to intro into, but on a more day-to-day, real-world basis, giving voice to political theory and economics and various other intellectual and academic slash real-world pursuits such as activism, uh, collectivism, volunteerism, and political um, involvement, you know, social involvement, as well on a like, community and local level. Check out Texan Stalinist. That's Texan Stalinist. I just made a YouTube, I just made um, a Twitter, and going through to make all of that good shit for you guys um, on that so it's going to be basically the political side of the Beyond Top Secret Texan by way of this new channel named Texan Stalinist. I know that may be a little bit hard to keep up with, but yeah, i got two channels now. Beyond Top Secret Texan is going to handle the strictly UFO, paranormal, and uh, otherwise conspiracy truth. Uh, otherwise, all umbrella term conspiracy truth. And then the... Uh, Texan Stalinist is going to have all the political, economic, intellectual, quote-unquote, real-world academic intellectualism um, that's politically charged, that's socially relevant, etc. Speaking my mind on... Speaking my mind so much, I need two channels to do it on, right? Left brain, right brain type shit right there. So thank you all very much in advance for going over on Texan Stalinist, liking, subscribing, etc. This episode is actually in the political spectrum. It is um, absolutely involved in not only the politics now, but whether you know it or not, your very existence and everything that you have been subjected to and Included into voluntarily or not, uh, voluntold or volunteered, uh, volunteered, you are absolutely a part of this next episode subject matter, which is 
who really owns the United States of America? Who really owns and runs the show, as it's called? This great American experiment. Of course, my listeners and myself would always say the Freemasons are the uh, cabals of black nobility that have modern industrialized themselves into the you know global banksters. And uh, America is a company. We all know that America is a corporation. I have spoken about that at length. I have spoken about how America was purchased by Rockefeller specifically by Rockefeller, who and then entrusted us and interned us into the official modernized United States corporation that's a military-industrial factory state, specifically for the interests of the triumvirate that is Washington, D.C., that is the city of London in the U.K., and that is the Vatican in Italy. Now... They have called this unholy triad capitalism. And in fact, all of the world is a stage and everyone in it is but merely a actor, player, and portrayer. In this global charade pantomimed by the master illusionists, this cabal of black magicians and sorcerers and warlocks of finance and military into believing the phenomenon of nations, to believing the phenomenon of statehood, into believing the phenomenon of progress and modernity, the grand narrative, quote-unquote, which is itself a Freemasonic belief. It is a cultural tenet in this secret society to believe in a great design accumulating into progress into perfecting a uh, quote-unquote utopic society but a furthering of a kingdom but in reality it is merely the uh, uh, consolation the 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 uh, the uh, coordination of a massive global empire and a cementing of that empire's cultural assimilation and acculturation, a consolidating of gained goods to itself is an attempt at the impossible, in my opinion, but also the very seeds of their own destruction. But in the same breath, so universally successful in this attempt of theirs as to be indistinguishable as it is the only hegemonic monolithic reality that people are in the West are born into and not in the West but people globally are born into unless blessed by the fucking holy God of all providence above that they were born in a um, Soviet state or born in a relativistic tribal state that is safe from the pervasive mind virus that is the English language. That's right, the language that we are speaking and I am speaking and you are listening to right now and are probably fluent in 
given that this broadcast is almost specifically only in English, sometimes in <laughs> Texan, and sometimes a little bit in a nonsensical, um, you know, um, um, pidgin English that my Creole is only able to translate itself, you know, the, the utterances into. Um, but still, English... 100% of the time is my spoken and listened to language. It's the mind virus. It's the um, uh, lingua franca. It is the uh, pater maternal. You know, it is the mind virus. Aficionado uh, is a Metal Gear Solid, and uh, specifically of the Futura Sound analysis of it, are keen to point out that language is symbolic of colonists, or colonialism and conquest especially in the Cold War, where knowledge of Russian almost ubiquitously meant Soviet Union leanings and knowledge of English meant uh, capitalistic Western intentions because you were dealing with two foreign powers who spoke two diverse and various languages that were at behestily, or at least like, you know, glibly understood to be you know, incompatible and, and difficult for one another to even understand. But yeah, the reality is that Russia and England, uh, Russia and the English-speaking world, had expert translators, and they spoke each other's languages fluently. In fact, they had many dual citizenships, and people raised intergenerationally in almost every situation. So what was the product of colonialism? That the idea is that there was so much international cultural diffusion that by the beginning of the Cold War, most of the world was polylingual and, you know, had some understanding of internationalism, cosmopolitanism, which was only possible because of, in, in no small part, British colonialism. And, of course, because of Britain creating the grand game that was, um, you know, globalism, basically, in its various international forms. Even the Dutch East India Company, which America has a lot of historical legacy towards and is considered not British is actually 100% British and it's 100% British because they were outlawed to Amsterdam for their um, you know basically unregulated business practices but they were uh, absolutely um, connected to Britain in many ways and especially after the relevant events of what we're going to be speaking about is that United Kingdom which created America as a colony in the 13 colonies uh, did so in the hopes of seizing the ancient world that was left behind after a great cataclysm occurred having already become aware of it due to previous explorative attempts by their Welsh and uh, various other tribal allied red aka Hebrews that they had knowledge of and foreknowledge of as well as Vikings and specifically who are Hebrews the tribe of Dan now given that they are ultimately themselves um, you know um, Viking and from Viking stock this all goes back to the Anglo-Saxons but to cut a you know thousand thousand year story of how these people came to be let's just read quickly the understanding of the territorial evolution of the British Empire 
So relevant to our story, how America becomes a state, you need to understand how all these what all these words mean and, and how this all kind of came into existence. Its idea of its power structure being a loose colony. What is a colony? Okay, so governance. The British Empire refers to the possessions, dominions, and dependencies under the control of the crown, the monarchy. Remember, the monarchy, if everyone's listening at home, is not of the House Windsor or Saxe-Gothaga, but uh, actually in the city of London. The city of London has the true inheritance of the uh, male kingship, which is backed by the Fed and backed by its superiority over the Pope, the British Crown, and the uh, Commander-in-Chief of the United States of America. And that man is kept secret. That man is the true king, and in fact, the Queen bows to the Mayor, the Right Honorable Lord Mayor of the City of London. That is the actual title of the king of the world, the right honorable mayor of the city of London. So that is the crown. In addition to the areas formerly under the sovereignty of the British monarch, various foreign territories were controlled as protectorates. Territories transferred to British administration under the authority of the League of Nations and the United Nations. The miscellaneous other territories, such as the condominium of Anglo-Egyptian Sudan, the natures of the administration of the empire changed both by time and place, and there was no one uniform system of government in the empire except loyalty to the crown. That is very important because everyone thinks that the British are very unchanging and unflexible, but in fact the British colonial system was so successful because each specific colony was treated differently. Yes, it was very much based on race and very much based on skin color, but they were treated differently and given different levels of autonomy as well as given different responsibilities and duties towards the empire. Different priorities, as it were. But everything was allowable and permissible as long as the British Empire was empowered and it was allowed to survive and grow. And it was based on regional governors and regional tacticians and strategists in the form of the lords, the House of Lords and the aristocracy. And the governors... Colonies. Okay, so remember, this starts in the 1700s, or the 1600s, sorry, this starts in the 1600s, or as we know it, the 600s, because they added a thousand years of history called the Middle Ages, or the Dark Ages. Now, now remember, this is all going to be added, so I'm just going to not make too much note of it, but as we all know, Phantom Time Hypothesis is correct. The Roman Empire is the British Empire. Believe it or not, all of this is completely compatible with history because they had already conquered Britain in the mythologies of King Arthur and the Round Table. They had already become almost strictly a feudalistic, cavalry-based society by, back then. 
uh, heavily armored cavalry, by the way, of nobles and landowning gentry. They had moved their capital away from Rome and Italy, which had been seen as a refuge for immigrants and slaves and freed slaves, a, a very overpopulated and crowded city, to the landed estates of true power. So by the time Rome was sacked and burned, and by the burning of Rome, it was considered a uh, very decayed and shadowed uh, capital, uh, ex-capital. So that it had been moved to London, the city of London, uh, Londinium, right? And it doesn't matter where they were, it's the families that are in power. The Caesars, the crown, the literal emperor of Rome. They moved and relocated to the British Isles, Avalon. So, much like Rome, the British immediately were employing colonies and colony-based systems of control, like the Romans had, which are extremely flexible in their autonomy and individuality, as well as their extreme profitability if you let people basically govern themselves, keep their own religions slash adopting yours and paying taxes and reverence to your crown, then you basically get the best of both worlds. A happy people and uh, the benefit of exploiting them without their rebellions, right? Their, their submission. So colonies. Colonies were territories that were intended to be places of permanent settlement. Providing land for their settlers, the crown claimed absolute sovereignty over them, although they were not formally part of the United Kingdom itself. Generally, their law was the common law of England, together with whatever British acts of parliament were also applied to them. Over time, a number of colonies were granted responsible government, making them largely self-governing. Responsible government. If they approved themselves... Through acts of loyalty and profitability, they were given more autonomy culturally as well as locally and politically, right? They were allowed to profit in the system equally almost, but as long as they always remain loyal and submissive to the crown's overall political hegemony. Meaning they did not attack each other, meaning they uh, had to very carefully coordinate their political aspirations as well as basically um, constantly give tithes and pay debts and pay off their debts so they were not free in the least sense of the word now the idea of this what I'm trying to say is that the fate of America is the origin of America it did not change and it only had a brief uh, change in terms that, that people do not understand. It's the American Revolution, right? So the American Revolution is a poorly understood and absolutely misunderstood uh, concept. And I'm going to get into that after I quickly explain uh, the situation that it kind of starts in. So, for those who do not know, or listening and do not know, the number of British colonies by the year 1700 included all the 13 colonies in the United States that, that stretched from America, from the east coast of America, the Atlantic Ocean, all the way to the Great Lakes and down the Ohio Valley, uh, basically everything up east of the Mississippi River, uh, excluding Florida, 
They owned Jamaica. They owned most of the Bahamas. Uh, all the Bahamas. They owned most of the Caribbean. They owned Canada. Now, that's just in North America. They also owned uh, much of Africa. They owned India, the subcontinent. They owned much of the Middle East. Uh, they owned Australia. They owned all of the Far East, uh, Indonesia, um, you know, around that area, all that shit, and they had colonies in China, right? So, this is from a fucking island that has one monarch that has complete sovereignty, not only that, but his island as well. So, <coughs> when America decides to rebel and have the revolution, yes, it is up to the local governor and the local lords to suppress that. In the, in the basically, they request the troops, they get them, the generals uh, fight for nearly a decade, but it's actually a lot longer than that. Um, you know, this 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 war because the American Revolution does not end in 1783 uh, after or 1784. After the, uh, the, 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 uh, Paris Treaty is signed, it ends in 1812, after the War of 1812, when the British counterattack, because things are fought much slower back then, where troops have to be established and rebuilt on fucking sailboats and shit like that. And remember, it's not the year 1812, it's the year 812. If you keep it in perspective like that, this is remarkable. And it, yeah, they don't have a lot of ability to communicate besides messengers. And ships sometimes take months to go across the ocean depending on storm seasons, etc. Because you got to play it safe and conservative. And there's really a different mindset. There's a slow down mindset when there's no electricity in common towns and villas. When the normal day consists of basically eating three meals, drinking a couple of beers, and kind of watching the sunset after a day's work, um, what happened was America was quickly crushed by the combined might of the British, which had been stationed um, both from Jamaica in the southern colonies and the Caribbean and from the uh, north, right? What happened, though, that people don't understand was... So, after they burned down Washington, D.C., there's a myth. There's a common myth, an urban legend, really, that a hurricane hit the British and scattered their troops and basically drove them out of Washington, D.C. and put out all the fires, put out all the fires in Washington, D.C., including it rained on the White House, and it put out the White House and saved it. This is absolute bullshit. What happened was the British burned down D.C., burned down all their records, all their history, uh, confiscated the uh, select rebels that had that had actually rebelled, publicly executed them, um, and the president retreated right and into the fucking hillside and of the Potomac and retreated, and they, America was in full flight, right, in the East Coast. Um, the U.S. Army, the Army of the Potomac, uh, 
I mean, the Army of the Hudson River, because America at this time was extremely based on the Hudson River. It was like the number one thing in the fucking the colonies. Because remember, there's 13 colonies. They don't even go to California. They don't go to Texas. They don't even go to Arkansas. They they stop at the Mississippi River, uh, and it's it's mostly empty, right? It's mostly just farms and it's empty land. And here's the truth: only three percent of the colonies rebelled. Only 3% of the colonies fought in any kind of military capacity or assisted or helped out in any way the Continental Army uh, in any of the colonies. Now, most of the people were still loyal. They were peaceful, they were well-behaved, loyal subjects who didn't want to cause trouble either way to the extremist zealots who want rebellion against the crown um, to the professional mercenary soldiers, because most of them are criminals. They don't ask this part in history, but, you know, in history class, but who were these soldiers who were willing to risk life and limb uh, to fight against their very own country? This, the criminals, basically, of society, the people who are already outlawed, who owed debts to the British crown, who were hoping to get them relieved, the people who wanted land, but couldn't get land either through their own extreme poverty, which back then was almost 100% specifically based on character flaws and shit. So people who were like alcoholics, people who were like uh, mercenaries, crazy people, uh, runaway criminals, vagabonds, stuff like that, ex-slaves and stuff, people like that. Like, you know, people who had extreme traumatized backstories. They were not saints. And when the War of 1812 came, America had already suffered one or two many rebellions and civil wars within the colonies because the colonists, the early colonists, uh, were so antagonistic and hostile because that was the mood that caused the American Revolution, not one of idealism and patriotism, but just one of, like, these people were going to fight and attack each other based on very few squabbles and trivialities because that was just the nature of the this community, this tribe that had been conquered or had been put there and had developed over the last century or two because uh, it was 17, 17, so about two centuries, two full centuries of living in the West as British, uh, British men, right? And this had developed and morphed into this American man, a man of Americas, right? British man of Americas. But just like in England, violence is very common between men, and this can be organized and mobilized if it's not properly expressed into little revolutions, political parties, etc. So think of what happened in Ireland uh, in the 80s and 70s and 60s, like for decades, what happened in Ireland, what's still going on in Ireland, that there's still autonomous zones, that the IRA still exists, that there's huge anti-crown sentiment, that there's cultural uh, adhesion to um, a tribe, a identity, the, the free Irish, the Gaelic-speaking, that's all revived, that's all kept fresh. The IRA is the militant arm of it. They produce weapons, they have military structures, commanders, really an army. They have international relations and stuff like that logistically supplying their fight and crusade against the crown for an autonomous Ireland. That was happening in America. That's what the American Revolution was exactly. They were plain clothes, undercover, mostly urban assassins and uh, spies, 
uh, what we would be labeled terrorists today, asymmetrical warfighters, um, fighting under the command of warlords who had educations, uh, who are fighting for very material reasons as well as quote unquote ideology, but very material reasons because they sought to gain the entirety of the uh, west of the uh, colony's wealth uh, for themselves and hopefully charter a more significantly favorable deal because that's what I believe is actually the point of the American Revolution was not true a total autonomy and freedom it was uh, to just to get a better deal it was to get a better deal at the table of the British ruling party and this is where we actually when we are defeated in 1812 and they burn Washington DC but the army the United States Army uh, burns Toronto in retribution and defeats the commander Isaac Brock of basically the most fortified northern territory and major city in North America for the British, which was Toronto, and we burned it to the ground in retaliation. I mean, by we, the U.S. Army, burned it to the ground. Uh, the deal that was made was not with the politicians was not with the civil merchant class, was not with the people. The deal that was made was with the U.S. Army and the U.S. commanders and the Pentagon. Well, who would become the Pentagon? Basically, at that time, it was the U.S. Army and the U.S. Navy, right? The two branches of the U.S. Army and the U.S. Navy. It's still, to this very day, the two most powerful organizations in not only the USA, but probably the world. The U.S. Army and the U.S. Navy. Now, the deal was obviously made that they were the military arm. They were the literally the war machine of the British colonies from here on out. Their authority would be unquestioned on the battlefield as war marshals. They would produce all the major technologies, all the weapons, and their tactics would be the ones that they were uh, basically followed. Now, this was not immediately implemented not immediately implemented, but it was the deal that was agreed on, and it was what America was built up towards. It was built up towards it, but only after uh, significant levels uh, were achieved. Basically, it was a tiered introduction into this system, because, and it was not uh, necessarily internationally intended, but they had that in mind from the very beginning. The first initial uh, intention of this new military tribe, the United States of America, that was introduced basically after the the eighteen the early eighteen hundreds uh, ratification of the Constitution. This new Continental Army that would seek to expand into the West. Their intention was the Indian Wars. I 100% believe that the U.S. Army was used to fight not only the Native American man, but to suppress the pirate, the independent rogue, the Catholic, who had taken root into American history, and, of course the different Native American tribes that had sought themselves to resist 
British colonialism into North America. These tribes did not have the same borders and geographies of the current United States, so it wasn't a priority like you think, where they were defended from the coastlines, and they had their own nations, and they their weakness was communication, yes. But this effort still took nearly 100 years, and was the reality behind events like the Civil War, and the different, like say the Texas War, uh, the Red River War, the Bended Knee Incident, the, uh, the different expansionist efforts to California, the gold rushes, the uh, wars against Mexico, for example, the uh, efforts of the United States military in these arenas was 100% under the order of the British Crown. And it was 100% a part of British colonialism that saw a massive surge in imperial military intervention and conquest in British areas, territories of control against native hostile populations. This is understood historically as being native Indians, Muslims in the Middle East, and Africans, or, you know, Aborigines in the Australia, but also the Native American should be on this list. The Comanche should be on this list. The Cherokee should be on this list. And all self-same tribes who were victims or at least resistors and uh, opponents of the quote-unquote white man during these wars. Historically, the British had a very, very hostile relationship with Native Americans. Historically, the French had a very friendly relationship culturally speaking, with Native Americans, being able to better assimilate and communicate with them and understand them from a cultural level. This is absolutely a part of the big imperial game between France and America. I mean, France and England. And absolutely goes back to various already well-documented Attitudes of the British in colonialism, but just applied to the United States, applied to North America, in the proxy of the United States, which is not an independent nation at any point after the War of 1812, but rather a corporation of colonies, now 50 colonies, with the provincial territories of its own, American Samoa, Puerto Rico, etc., all collecting taxes for existing within the social security system that we know as a social contract based on British protectorates and colonialist law and order with all our purchases and economic activities being tithed and taxed by the crown 
of England. Everyone from Alaska, Canada, the United States of America, continentally, uh, into Mexico, into um, Central and South America, throughout the Caribbean, almost all of Africa. In fact, the world, let, let me just say this, the world is easier understood in who is controlling all of it. Because basically it's the British. After the defeat of Napoleon, the French have, were defeated and they only really exist now as a uh, very prominent society and culture but not as a true nation. Besides being a proxy and a vassal to, just like America, allowed to exist because the suppression of their identity would produce more violent retribution while the subtle manipulation of their and, and absolute control from the top down of their society um, whatever you know um, whatever justify or warrant at expense now see America at one point was at the crossroads of language. And if America was truly free, we would have voted to speak German, or specifically Dutch. Because much of the colonists at the time, in fact the overwhelming uh, majority, spoke German as a common language. This is absolutely fact. But the province of the merchant class, which was fully in subjugation of the crown, chose English. Now, the thing that saves the French and the thing that saves, say, for example, the, the Canadians, uh, French Canadians, is the understanding of, uh, and the Mexicans, and all of Hispanic America, although they are controlled by religious factors, more so than the English-speaking world ever is. So it's a trade-off. There's different manipulations. It's a, but it's a complete global domination of the British, right? The British are absolutely owning the shit out of everybody. Um, but yes, the three different crowns that rule the world. Either it's a direct American military intervention, or we control it through our, our very presence of military. So there's American military bases. It's probably one of our colonies. Which, like I said, is fed upwards towards the crown. Um, if it's got a lot of Catholic population, if it's got over 60% Catholic population, it is a colony politically of the Vatican. If it's got... Um, the, the majority of its population being Muslim... Regardless of geography, if it's got the majority of its population being Muslim, it is controlled by the banking systems. Rather, actually, yeah, if it's part of the IMF, it's part of the major Rothschild-owned banking cartels, regardless of its, of its um, religious affiliations. But if it has a majority Muslim population... It is controlled by the city of London, and that is absolutely the case because they are 
100% in control of the House of Saud. The Saudi Arabians, they are 100% control of the lineage of Muhammad, and they are 100% control of the financial workings of all the OPEC nations. 100%. The exceptions currently could be made such as India, such as China, such as Russia, such as other countries in the BRICS nations. But this is a very late in the game development. And this is not necessarily the nature of the subject that we're speaking about when it comes to, say, global domination. But as far now, even in its weakened twilight era, its winter era of empire, which is completely accounted for, by the way, historically, as the decision after World War II was to absolutely back the fuck up from visibility, from optical visibility and obviousness, that the authority in the world was the crown. The crown basically vanished after World War II within two decades, having given much of its independence, uh, much of the, its colonies their independence, right? But what this really signified was a transition from national politics into corporate and company politics, right? Currently... If you were to look at the world right now in 2022 and say, well, where is this British empire that rules everything? For surely, even if the American Revolution was a failed revolution, and surely if the British used America as a puppet state, a, a vassal state, against its own people to colonize a, a, the Native Americans, the people of America, the Aborigines, the, peop the its own people, and to expand what were 13 coastal colonies... Um, and a few hundred years to cover 50 full nation states across the Western Hemisphere, as well as to have 100 plus military bases worldwide within this one vassal state, by the way, this one tribe that it completely created its identity and completely allowed to exist, but only as a debt slave to its crown, as its war machine, and as its legions much in Roman fashion, the way they did to the barbarian kings, the way they did to the Goths, the way they did to the Gauls, the way they did to the Iberians, much in the same self-same fashion that they did to the Indians, and they did to the South Africans, and they did to the Australians, and they did to the Canadians, which are other sophisticated white tribes created specifically by the crown to serve the crown against the various red man, quote-unquote, or brown man, quote-unquote, natural aboriginal tribe, depending if they are themselves consolidated or understanding even of this idea, which I think they were, that they, their national identity, their universal presence itself was seen as the greatest threat to the British crown because of their... Of, extreme cultural strength their extreme survivability, their extreme um, hardness and their mere original occupation 
they had to go. If you want a colony, you can't have the people who own that colony there for very long because they will want it back. They will demand their fair share of it, right? That's the thing. They are recognized by law as having it. So before they can raise these political identities and defenses and stage a type of rebellion or revolution, um, it's best to either exterminate them, get them to be uh, seen as the aggressor, or to try to genocide them, variously put them on reservations, etc., move them away from their cultural roots. This happened over the last course of 100 years, the Cherokee Nation, the Comanche, etc., in the 1800s. But um, now the companies exist, right? So that drove a lot of ire. The Americans who are responsible for that are still seen as villains. They're still seen as evil for these actions. And it's also, say for example, at the same time, that the British, who outlawed slavery, then had to fight a mini-revolution in the form of the Civil War because its colonists had gotten so dependent and used to the idea of slavery. So if a empire like the British Empire has any policy change, itself has to suffer a internal civil war simply to enforce its new rules and policies. This is how important the identities of tribes are in the nation state level and the tiered level of, of existence. And as America gets bigger and gets more established and more federal, it is becoming more extreme in terms of its revolutionary, or at least civil revolutionary, uh, potentials, right? You talk about identity politics now. Identity politics has always been the most important factor in the empire game is making sure you have a mastery over human psychology and human anthropology. Now, they they created the system which favored this. They understood the success of this system. And like I said, even though I don't believe in this system and I hate the system, it is still the only system I was born into and thus am able to see. A, like a fish who was born into a water, it is all that I know. Right? And the company system is the system of our society, of our capitalistic world, of the West and of the East and of all nations currently under the sun on this planet. And even off-world in other planets as well. And colonies and space centers and ships, all of it. The company model, the chartered company. So now that America is a chartered company of the British, and its 50 states are chartered companies of the British, uh, each being 50 chartered companies of America, Texas joining them in the 1800s, um, in the, the mini civil war that happened once they realized that they were a company chartered to a, a company that, that uh, had no interest in their opinion or their say, they could not affect it at all. Um, their stock was one of subservants, like an empire, but listed as one of a business, which is what America truly is, a business. Um, you know, there was a civil war. Civil war was crushed by the infusion of the Irish, which were basically thrown at them, and this is how the world works. 
the these companies are the empire, right? Now let's get how it started. The charter companies, the royal charters, are how they're organized and given permission to operate, and they act as governments in many cases, as well as sometimes the only legal authorities in terms of trade, resources, and enforcing boundaries of influence. They described its rights and responsibilities. Groups of investors form companies to underwrite and profit from the exploration of Africa, India, Asia, the Caribbean, and North America. Under the patronage of the state, some companies like the East India Company, the most famous, the Hudson Bay Company, which owned Africa, which owned Canada and operated through the British Crown, and the Royal African Company ruled large colonial possessions, but the Hudson Bay Company took control of the Hudson Bay Drainage Basin in Canada as Rupert's Land, and the Royal African Company started to ship slaves from West Africa to the Americas in the Atlantic slave trade. See, what I'm saying is that when they start creating these independent companies, they start acting and are able to do everything that the country itself is banning and ultimately that leads into the the issues of civil war and revolution so that allows for their identity to serve, but while at the same time being the sole possessor of wealth and all business such as employment such as um, career such as education such as infrastructure such as everything and of course these are controlled by the Freemasons of course these are controlled by uh, members of the Catholic Church of course these are controlled by uh, members of the crown itself through royal families, aristocracy, lords etc these companies created the modern map they created the modern world they created the literally the modern maps that we were living in because they explored the areas of the old and ancient and lost world this was what their purpose was the Hudson Bay Company explored the northern realms and ways this was not public information they do not you cannot request this through FOIA it belongs to these private companies records and charters and like you know their their archives their proprietary knowledge it's completely privatized the Royal African Company explored the Congo and Africa you know the what do you think they found East India Company conducted trade and it had so much wealth that it produced for the crown that all of the world's businesses currently right now if added together would not equal the insured wealth that the Dutch East India Company traded in that is the power of this crown capitalism what we know now as capitalism what we know now as globalism, what we now know as uh, country uh, companies like BP, like British Petroleum, like Shell, like uh, massive mining companies, etc. That is the same exact principles that they are working on. They are just seen and so 
they have been here for so long that we see them as natural, organic extensions of a healthy, nationalist economy produced by otherwise patriotic, civil professionals. In reality, they are instruments of British colonialism. Every single company on earth is created on the model of the crown, of the British crown. And they feed their profits and their inventions upwards towards it from Japan to America to anywhere anything in the capitalistic world is part of the British crown's taxation slash debt system where they have to pay to exist and then force others to pay for a service that they can control by force either legally or through mercenaries, NGOs, etc. Through the actions of the state or through the actions of special interest groups or through the manipulations of tribal identities, um, they will force the rightful owners away from territories, rewrite histories, create nations literally from thin air, Propagate, you know, propaganda, um, uh, negatively influence identities of regions as well as exploit their populations, resources, etc., as a matter of daily activities. And the same happened to the United States and is currently happening to the United States in the form of the global war on terror of using America's troops, uh, using America's population as an endless tap for troops for its wars, using its resources and its coffers, its tax, its government to continue to tax without representation the common American worker, using that momentum that we are told in classes, in classrooms all across the country, indoctrinated with, that we rebelled against, and that is against our core principles. But using that same exact methodology, which has never changed, and is unceasing in its longevity, and indefinite in its future, to continue to uh, get blood from the stone that is the American uh, colonialist, the American tribe, which we all are, which every single person listening to this as an American, no matter if you're uh, from California uh, to Maine, you know, uh, Michigan to Florida, you are a American colonial, you are now in the British-owned American colonies, while they call themselves states because they are as large as nation states, traditionally most states are like European countries in terms of resources, scale, populations, uh, tribal identities, etc. They are treated just like European colonies. They are treated just like African colonies, just like uh, Pacific colonies. Doesn't matter if they're white. Doesn't matter if they speak English. They are treated just like, you know, um, Nigeria is treated. They are treated just the same as Jamaica is treated. They are treated just the same way as the Bahamas are treated. 
It doesn't matter if you're Florida or not. Whether you have billions of dollars in revenue or not. The thing that you're seeing in terms of saber-rattling, in terms of independent thinking, the thing that I am currently expressing is the benefit of being in an extremely successful colony and being a nation-state in self-recognition of your own powers globally. But, yes, the entire world is controlled by the British crown. If you work for a job, Samsung, and you are an international worker, you're the same as a Dutch East India Company employee being sent on ship and sail to make sure that the ports are adequately paying or the dues are to add some kind of scribe work. It's a tradition of global relocation of individuals and assimilations of exotic tribes into this Roman system. This Roman system of slave and freed slave that's still unchanged since the day of Caesar. Unchanged since the day of Caesar. I think that the ideas behind this are very uh, hard to swallow for a lot of people, especially uh, going to be a little hard to swallow for a lot of people like uh, Texans or Patriots of the MAGA variety. Um, I am deeply, deeply involved with Q. I love that so much, the, the idea of it, um, the phenomena of it, the, the reality of it. Yes, I am a Trump supporter. Yes, I am uh, all about making America great again. Without a doubt, 100%. But I do understand that when I say fuck America and fuck the United States of America and that we need another civil war, we need a real civil war because the true civil war was um, America being defeated, the Comanche being defeated, the Cherokee being defeated, the Seminole Indian being defeated, the uh, pirate nations being defeated of the Confederacy. Uh, they are on the Gulf Coast being defeated. The real and only historically traced back independent Americans, which were of all skin colors, white, black, red, and yellow, their resistance lasted for hundreds of years. Their resistance lasted through the entirety of the colonizations of the Western Hemisphere, which were only fully accomplished by the 1930s. And even then, 25% of the North American continent is still unexplored by humans of the Western white man tribes and only surveyed by air. And the vast majority of the subterranean realms, tunnels, and city-states, or caverns, etc., in America are subject to extreme national secrecy given how large they truly are in territory and domain. Without getting too paranormal about it, I firmly believe that a majority of the Native American tribes survived the genocidal efforts of the white man, especially those of the Western Mojave and of the uh, Southwest. Where the populations of the British colonists is only arbitrary at most. 
I firmly believe that the United States government, which is the governor, uh, the, the government of the British Colo colony of the United States Company, much like the Hudson Bay Company, much like the East India Company, is uh, much like the Africa Company, is uh, fully aware of this and understands how significant of a threat that they are and has created the national parks system and the uh, national uh, wilderness system as well as the BLM to buffer zone much of their cross territory or their territory that crosses ours our borders ours, sorry but I believe that their spirit is inspired is, is what matters. I believe that inspiration is what matters regardless of their ultimate fates. Such as the nation of the Comanche who took 40 years to be subjugated and forced into reservation. 40 years. I do not know exactly. I have my theories of what happened to the once great nation that produced the people of the first world nations. The cataclysm that forever shook them from their civilization into the role of plains drifters and road warriors and forced them into a utopian green eco centered way of the warrior but I hope that happens to us I hope that fate befalls us we need to be shaken from our cities our urbanism we need to be shaken from our colonies we need to go back into nature and to revere it and to learn its lessons on survival and independence we need to establish and rebuild our identities and our cultures, at least originally, as possible. We need to develop our own lineages and genealogies and tribes. We need to learn from their mistakes. We need to learn from their trials. We need to use the technologies that we now have access to. That if they had access to, they would have used without a doubt. But it all begins with the spirit. It all begins with the identity of the people. And it all begins with knowledge. As 99% of the American people think that America is completely independent and 100% autonomous. They think that the President of the United States is the most powerful person in the world. And that anything the President of the United States says will be law, will have to occur and happen. They do not understand at all the truth of the global power structure. They don't understand at all the realities of globalism. They don't understand at all the realities of the company. 
They don't understand the realities that all of the British and their history of colonialism or history. They don't understand the, the geography of the world. 99% of Americans are absolutely within a bubble of psychological operations and MK Ultra trauma bonding, uh, Stockholm Syndrome, to the British colonial system of existence. This is exactly why... Uh, it's recognizable in India. It's recognizable in actions of uh, the Africans and in, in under control of the British who served their colonial masters in the military during the colonial wars of World War One and World War Two. The Indians, for example, who are not at all anywhere, shape or form, Related to or inherited of the British Empire or anything British besides being abjectly conquered by them offered three million of their soldiers' lives to the wars of monarchs of Europe. They suppressed their own Civil War during World War Two, and they fought while their people starved as a famine occurred in India because Winston or in World War Two, as Winston Churchill declared complete ownership and control of the Brit of the Indian wheat supply. Forcing one of the largest famines in India's history during the in during the war years. This is little known to fact, but the fact that this also forced India's independence is not lost on me. As I've said before, each society is given an individual approach by its own local rulers and given their knowledge of cultural and tribal rebellions and revolutions or revolts rather rather than revolution revolts based on perceived oppressions on much much similar tribes they knew full in advance that this was going to happen and it was 100% a psyop 100% a psyop against the British themselves. This is why Gandhi was shot. And I think that their plan was to um, ultimately create a Muslim-Hindu civil war which will lead to genocide. But that is neither here nor there as I'm talking about the United States right now. But the point is powerful nations with huge populations with very strong legacies to the ancient world, with mystical, local religious traditions of the greatest caliber, can be psychologically manipulated and controlled so well that they volunteer their sons to fight for the very crown that is enslaving them in their empire. And yes, if they refused 
they would have been forced to go anyway. Uh, I understand that. But the fact is, the loyalty of these men is a manipulated factor. The loyalty of America to the itself and to Britain and to the West and to capitalism is 100% psychological manipulation. It's 100% the psychological manipulation to think that the United that you owe something to the United States that you are gr in gratitude toward the United States because the United States is a country or your country. It is not a country. It is a company. This is where the fundamental uh, necess the necessity for knowledge comes to exist based on any revolutionary's um, process. Is that you're not rebelling against one nation tis of thee. You're not rebelling against one nation indivisible under God. You're not rebelling against an organic, free, noble system. No matter how corrupted it may have become that you do owe fealty to, you do owe some birthright loyalty towards. Nor do you have to save America or reclaim America because America was never there to begin with. It's a concept of a colony like the British East India Company or the, or the uh, Africa Company or the Hudson Bay Company. Those companies are the true governments of this region, this territory of 50 nation states, which are all themselves 50 different charter companies which operate the local populations through their colonists, which are us, all of us being foreigners forced into this area of occupied land as it was taken by force from its aboriginal peoples. Now, I do not understand. No, there is no precedent for what I'm saying. There is no tradition of this is a right thing to do because it was done in history. But having lived now for almost 200 consecutive years in the United States since the total control of um, its its creation by the British. You know, it's over 200 years uh, since the bicentennial. Um, yeah, I mean, we have to understand that we are at the verge of being both autonomous and knowledgeable enough to see through the bullshit, to see that the British crown is no longer in any way, shape, or form the sovereign ethically or spiritually or legacy-wise besides this capitalistic system that they've told us, brainwashed us, and made it, forced us to believe is literally the only way of life in our society that's possible. When in reality, it is all the creation of the crown in their attempt to rule the world and steal it from people who did not run their world this way regardless of how they chose to run it. They have enslaved and forced everybody to be employees of their companies and have given total authority and the monopoly of violence to these companies. Not nations, not cultures, not tribes. There's no sub-kings. There's no royal families. These are all banksters. These are all company men. These are all uh, financiers and people who work strictly in the domains of mercantilism and money, not even of goods and exchanges or logistics of goods, but of strictly money, of financing, of 
figures and dollars that control the balances of debt and debt incurring resources, withdrawal, uh, punishments, authoritarian um, backlashes, etc. that create the dynamics of geopolitics as we know them today. Of every single nation in the West, regardless of skin color, language, historical power, traditional alliance, whatever, uh, ethnic identity, from Hong Kong to Australia to uh, Russia to Brazil, everyone was born into this system and has to fight their hardest to break this system apart, to scatter its ashes to the thousand winds, and to forever bury it in the history of the world. We are all now made the working class, regardless of how much money you have, working for the crown. We are all a part of the proletariat struggle, working against the banks. For we are the working class, we are the debt class. We are the class of slaves to these people with no original identities beyond what they have given us. And they know this psychologically will in slave us and give us Stockholm Syndrome for our captors for our captors the crown and its various apparatuses and its red, white, and blue color scheme because it all goes back ultimately to ancient fucking Egypt because the system was how ancient Egypt and ancient Atlantis was ruled. Unless I'm saying it's not this idea of the Habsburgs, who are but a controlled wing of it, and that was uh, when they were captured by the, the... They were themselves defeated by Napoleon and signed their allegiance to British. This isn't a major history lesson of every single detail behind it, but the red, white, and blue, the Atlantean color scheme, the ancient Egyptian color scheme, the color scheme of the UK, of the Union Jack, of the British Empire of Britannia. They literally control the world. So when you're revolting and rebelling against the United States, when you are uh, debating whether the United States is a free country or not, know that the answer is no. The answer is fuck no. America's never been free. America's always been a company of the British crown. America is but the military-industrial machine... Of a worldwide empire with its three capitals in Washington, D.C., specifically the Pentagon, the City of London, and the Vatican. The Vatican is its religious wing controlling all of the occult traditions from Judaism to Islam to Freemasons to the Rosicrucians to all the Gnostics. All of it is controlled and filtered and approved by the Vatican first. Disseminated to its people second. The politics is all fed up directly to the crown, which has its roots in the city of London through the finances. With the money comes the power. All of it, there is no such thing as power without constant streams of funding, of money. Only to keep it away from others who may keep it to become rich and powerful themselves. That's how capitalism truly works. Is that money is not so much 
freely created and exchanged and given and earned to society. It is allotted as an allowance from a major controller of all financing, which is the Fed, the Federal Reserve, and the International Monetary Fund, the IMF. Both these capitaled in the city of London. As well as the military, with its 100 plus bases around the world, with its top secret programs, with its reverse alien technologies or ancient technologies, uh, however you want to appropriate that A and N, RAV, uh, this idea of military godhood is 100% the domain of the United States nations or the United States company the tribe of the of America which it has been created as a fascist nation to give the mental psychosis necessary to constantly raise an endless supply of soldiers who are strictly only mercenaries operating as a privateer class. That is what the United States truly means. Whenever you're talking about the United States, whenever you're talking about what is America, what is the American dream, what is that, that is what America is. It is 100% only a war machine to keep the British crown in complete power through its money its pyramid scheme of capitalism. So people are kept spiritually in the dark with their Vatican masters, their cult, their basically satanic cults, and what it is, it's a satanic cult. And it's various other many, many, many millions of other satanic cults which all spring from it in which they have complete knowledge of and mastery of. It's financial monopoly. It's pyramid scheme of City of London through its debt and finance empire and its ability to create, literally create funding, create money through its Fed and through its printing processes from all nations. The EU is completely a part of this as well. Like I said, all nations all over the world, uh, except for the ones breaking apart in the BRICS nations right now are going back to a gold standard, but even then, that's another debate. But the United States is 100% the, the Pentagon uh, weaponized uh, steel version of it with its different allies being but mere tributaries towards it. Look at how NATO is constructed now, for example. Or look at how um, the situation in the Ukraine how much funding America has given depend, uh, compared to any other Western nation. Uh, 100% that's its purpose is to be this endlessly exploitable war effort. Like, endlessly exploitable by money. Just it endlessly, it has no justification through material and eventually through manpower. But uh, it's at a crux now of its ultimate weakest point having already been bled dry through the uh, global war on terror and stretched far, far too thin. Um, but 100%, that's the current state now. So when you say, for example, support the troops, support the individual troops, but do not ever support the military, for it is never working for American freedom. It never fights for American freedom, and it fights for the British crown. Never support capitalism, as it's never had the best interest of people in mind 
from the working class to the millionaire class. It is 100% the creation of the British crown. And it only exists that you, no matter who you are, have to pay taxes to them. Um, unless you give 100% of your corporate identity and cash flow to them, then it's exchanged through an offshore banking system where you are given an illegal share of that, which under your regulated colony and charter, and the crown is given an illegal, even larger share of your proportional wealth, uh, namely all of it, as it then illegally controls you through this offshore banking uh, guise, which itself is just a ruse, basically itself admitting that it's breaking its own rules to unfairly discriminate against its own people even further. The taxation, say for example, that Amazon does not pay, does not necessarily have to be looped into any like you know chartered um, benefit for the American people. It goes straight into an illegal offshore bank, and then the British completely owned all of those funds and profits, uh, rather than ever having to share them with its own colonists, its own people, its own subjects, its own slaves. And so thus American slaves are robbed twice. So have no patriotic allegiance towards the term United States, towards the flag, towards the ideas of the colonies, or the colonists, or the a traditional American way of life, for it has all since the earliest days of the King James Charter been but a British experiment to create a tribe of white English-speaking slaves. From original 13 colonies of debt slaves, mind you, but it's time we break out of prison, we make the cultural jail break. And if that requires us learning, say, for example, Cherokee, or learning the Comanche language, or even living on reservations voluntarily... We have to do what we can to come to terms with what we've done to Native Americans, to come to terms with the First Nations of all of North America, be they in Hispanic nations, South American nations, come to grips with their knowledge, with their skills, with their abilities, and understand that this was not a racial war of our generation, none of the evils that were done to them were done to them by us. But now, we need to humble ourselves to ask for their help, their true experience, their knowledge, while we still can. Because these are the only tribes, the only peoples, the only identities that resisted that resisted effectively, that, resist, that have spiritual remembrance of that, tribal identities based on that resistance. Not phony patriotism, not phony adherence to ethically and morally the products of the culture of the crown. Freemasonic occultism, um, uh, American Bill of Rights 
based, constitution based uh, political ideologies, which are themselves based on the Magna Carta, which are themselves based on parliamentary systems of government, which are British inventions, not based on uh, military idealisms or uh, various Christian Anglo-Saxon type heritages, which are themselves products of the crown or products of the Vatican. One of those institutions not based on capitalist uh, free market idealism or um, social Darwinistic type beliefs because those are products of the crown not based on racial identities or tribalism and different schisms of um, you know um, false map making and, and redesigning of cultural uh, legacies none of the religious identities of the past of this past colonial global expansionist conquest none of that has to be accepted as our identity moving forward moving forward as revolutionaries and that includes everything that the globalist LGBTQ rainbow coalition neoliberal false matrix bullshit of the of this you will own nothing and eat bugs and and great reset slave system to the banksters has created and wants to profit off of so if they are your enemy regardless of who you're seeing yourself in because remember education is your greatest ally right now is to defeat the uh cultural indoctrination, the brainwashing of America into refusing via Stockholm Syndrome, MK Ultra type trauma bonding to rebel against the British crown or the Western world or its inventions of the red, white, and blue, the British Union Jack, the Atlantean tricolor. In its efforts to globally conquer the world, we see our own and we volunteer like the millions of Indian soldiers having been successfully brainwashed to know nothing else besides our very own loyalty to the system, a system we feel we owe everything to, and that has saved us from everything evil. Know that it's that very system that is evil. Know that it's that very system that has enslaved your ancestors, that has driven them from their local lands, that has brought you to a foreign land. But remember, waking up is waking up from the crown, is waking up from that colonial system. And true revolutionary is a revolution not against his country, but against all countries, against the idea of the country, against the idea of the colony, against the idea of the company, which is how the British crown has tricked us into basically being no other way able to survive without the company. Remember, you do not owe a thing to the United States company. The United States company owes you everything because it has taken everything from you. 
time to take everything back. And thank you for listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. This is the broadcast of Beyond Top Secret Texan. Coming to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. It's my pride and privilege to be bringing you this kind of rhetoric, this kind of pathos, this kind of logos, this kind of ethos. So catch it as well on the Texan Stalinist. This is a hybrid broadcast, but I will be delivering similar self-same political conversational materials on that effort as well. That podcast, Sex and Stalinist, when I start producing it, I will produce and release about five episodes first at the end of this month, or the mid of this month, rather. And I'll keep you guys notified, but at the time being, check out the Twitter, check out the social media, check out the Telegram group I created for it. Basically, just getting it kicked off and started it, just to give myself an ability to talk about politics during this upcoming political cycle as it will be fresh on everybody's mind and all that anyone can see with their eyes wide shut. So thank you very much for be joining me. Namaste and Shalom. Everyone out there in dreamland, iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Check out Linktree slash beyond top secret Texan for all my links, all this channel's links, all the future updates, etc. Thank you all very much. Peace out.